The views and opinions expressed on From the Mouths of Madness are that of the panel and not of the Geeks Under the Influence Network or their sponsors, Amazon.com and TeePublic.com. Listeners, beware. Coming straight from the mouths of madness, I am one of the hosts, Lowdown Brown. With me, as always, is... you Hunter. What's up, bitches? That's right. Mm. That's right. <laughs> Haunted bitches? Haunt? Yeah, I guess. What's up, uh, bitches that are going to show up in the background that I didn't notice before? Uh, you mean like haunted quarantined bitches? That's true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like haunted, you said. No, I'll add haunted quarantine sweating their balls off because it's goddamn summertime, bitches. There you go. There you go. And like we mentioned before on uh, the Poltergeist Killer of Filler, like this was the time to find out if your house was haunted or not because with how much time you have spent at home, mm. if, if you don't know your house is yeah. haunted, you're a stupid fuck. Okay? <laughs> I don't want to hear any listeners coming back two months from now saying somebody got fucking killed in their house by ghosts. Bitch, you knew that shit three months ago. Pay attention. So we just blame the victim is what you're saying? <laughs> yes, <What>? exactly. <laughs> I think that they should get a, a pass if it turns out that it's more of like an it Pennywise, you know, entity from outer space seeping evil into the town and everyone is sort of purposefully ignoring the evil so it can grow fester inside them sort of situation because i think that that is a very different scenario and should be acknowledged within the realm of potential hauntings and weird phenomena fair okay fair i can't argue with that uh, who's so, whose voice was that yeah, that i just voice, heard yeah, because just, um yeah. I was like, wait a minute i don't know if we just, had a chance to introduce the third person no, on they, this. they just started talking and yeah uh, that's what happened so you're, you're hearing is we got murphy hello everyone and you want to you, go, you, you normally, when the world's not insane, have some stuff going on. <laughs> so what are the plans for restarting that and give the listeners some, in, in, you know, some little input on that? Oh, my gosh. At the moment, so we kept pushing back show dates and show dates. And just for a little bit of background, um, some of you in the world might know me as Murphy Lawless. Um, I might have a microphone in my hand. I might be taking my clothes off on stage whether or not you want me to. Um, <laughs> you know, they booked me. I'm going to do the thing. Um, if You consented if you bought a ticket. I'm sorry. You can always leave. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we kept trying to be optimistic mystic and we um you know at first we the big the big first hit was that we had to cancel the burlesque festival that we were working on yeah and it has been pushed back to 2021 and we've got some optimistic dates in march but um just keep an eye an eye out for the rva burlesque festival um we still have still have plans for that still have venues for that um so keep all your feelers crossed that um will be covid free haunting controlled um you know all that jazz um <laughs> no, around that time no, no haunted burlesque dancers look popping i'm up. fine with them being haunted performers as long as they're professional i'm very fair pro i like that ghost showing their titties all right yeah. i mean yeah. look if there's yeah. one ghost that i am very pro it's Ghost with titties out. Let's let's just be fair. It's better than like zombies showing their titties. That is true. So there's that. Yeah. You know. You know. There are some moments where like shit gets real desperate. I've been in quarantine for a while, and there are some times where I'm just like, it doesn't have a nipple, but hell yeah, side boob. <laughs> so, right, the side boob saves the day. Side boob. Side boob sometimes always saves quality the day. under boob. You know, I'm just saying yeah. that like. See, under boob's harder to, harder to pull off though. Side boob is a lot easier. I feel like. The underboob, it really comes into the formation of the Sir. boob, the natural growth Sir. of our boob. 
we have been in quarantine. We have the beauty of crop tops, and everybody has said fuck you to bras. That yeah. is true. Like hard this... nips and under boob every everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And it's next beautiful. on the from the boobs of madness. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, one day I hope to have mouths tattooed under my boobs. So I'm still hoping that that can be a from the mouths of madness, and it'll just be like me oh. doing ventriloquism from under my breast with teeth. You mm. would be my hero. <laughs> <laughs> so. Can, can this eventually progress to, with like you said, like, you know, we've been in quarantine, bras have gone away, crop tops, under boob all day. Mm-hmm. Can we get that with the ass at some point? Because oh I God. would love that to death. <laughs> we have that. So I think that um, one of the things that we're seeing in this, like, Quarantine summer of rage here. Um, Is it the son of Sam? Jesus yeah. Christ. Summer of sixty. I mean, how, how far how Tell far away I'm are wrong. we from that shit? Seriously. Tell me I'm wrong. It's it's got to happen, and you know what? Sometimes like the bottom cheeks just got to breathe, and so you got the short shorts and you got the crop tops, and they are for fucking everybody. Um, so. You know, I'm here for it. So what is that called? The underbun? What do you what do you call like that <laughs> bottom ass that falls out and it's just know. like glorious when it's just like Look, I don't necessarily the... claim to be a vocabulary expert. I'm just an admirer of Do we bodies. need to start it now? Do we need to because we have underboob, side boob. What I came is here the... to talk about haunted I, shit. We haven't gotten there yet. We're talking about <laughs> other important things. We have an assignment for our listeners. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Let's come up with there a go. good term for them cheeks hanging out, all okay. right? <laughs> and because we are also talking about a specific haunting, I think that you should also come up with a term where like what like is there a different term for catching a ghost naked? Are they is it different when it's a nude haunting? Like Ooh. like hmm. hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What are the levels to yeah. this? Um and if we could also just sort of gloss right over the bathroom lady from the shining. I was just about that. to say that's a good bad uh, naked ghost. No, it's bad. It's Hold on, no, bad. no, it's bad. When she gets out of the tub, good, 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 and then immediately bad, 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 bad. It was good in The Shining for like thirty seconds, and then between the rest of that scene and then Doctor Sleep, it was fucking terrifying. Oh no, no, yeah. Okay, so no, 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 no. this but is bad. When the she's percentage, first it doesn't in the weigh tub. out, bro. But when she's in the tub, it's like our justice system; it doesn't weigh out. All right, all right. there's no equal balance <laughs> to it. <laughs> oh my god yeah um, there is, so there is no justice in the system it's just us in the oh, system that's agnostic front there is no justice there's just us <laughs> hey blind justice baby Agnostic <laughs> front what hardcore making a comeback bitches yeah that's so right whenever shows happen again uh, no oh, shit yeah. um but uh anyway but yeah so, so what we are actually here to talk about is oh we do have a a theme i forgot about that Yeah, there's a theme actually we've got a great segue from your last episode because we because we started with because we just started talking about the shining and you brought up both uh jack torrance on your shining episode as one of the worst fucking dads in horror he was a fucking tire fire but you also mentioned the dad for the family in this series as one of the best dads in horror because what are we talking about today y'all we're talking about season one the haunting of hill house Bam. Now, I say season one mm-hmm. because the season one in the anthology series has already been known that season two is going to be the haunting of Byron Manor. Bly uh, Manor. Bly Manor, sorry. Yep. Bly Manor. And uh, so I say season one in the anthology series, but the haunting of Hill House, we're, what we're talking about with that is the father, the young father, the actor Henry Thomas, was mm-hmm. also the flashback of Lloyd and also of Jack Torrance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did a phenomenal God job. God damn, he did a great job. We talked about I that in the Dr. Sleep no episode. idea. Oh no! Murphy yeah. brought it to my attention. Wait, you didn't know? I didn't pick. We... I did pick it up. No. Oh god. I know, dude. It it was. <laughs> how can somebody nail Nicholson like that? 
Because he wasn't trying to be Jack Nicholson. He wasn't trying to be a Jack Nicholson impersonator. And that worked to his advantage because um, from what I've heard them discuss is that for the majority of that scene, who he had to play was Lloyd the bartender. And right at the end, when he had when he had to take that slightly more vicious cut towards Danny, that is the only edge of Jack that we saw when he he weaves in some of those speeches. Yeah, and down the hall, like we get the reimagining down the hallway with Mm -hmm. the axe and the limp and everything. I mean, the wig they put on him, Mm -hmm. what they added to his cheeks to make him a little more fuller in the face. Like he shaved his head for that. Christ. Oh, so then they just pasted the hair around it to get the balding spot. Oh, yeah, to make sure he had the correct hairline. He shaved his whole head. That's awesome. I want to meet him and get an interview with him. Seriously, next time he's at Horicon, that's a goal. That's right. Henry Thomas, coming for you, bro. What do you get him to sign at this point? Uh, E.T. Hill House and <laughs> Doctor Sleep. Yeah, you I mean a lot of options for right? him. You can even get because Gerald's um, game. He is pretty remarkable because he is. Um, if I remember correctly, um, through him growing up, he's played some really remarkable roles. Like after E.T., because he not only went back and played Jack Torrance for that scene, but in Psycho Four, he played the young version of Anthony Perkins's character. Um, so, Holy! F- oh, wait, yeah. oh, oh, hold yeah. On. So he hold plays on. the young version of. I enjoy that sequel above two and three because it showed him young and the actual fucked up shit that happened with him and his mom. Yeah. And I never realized it was Henry Thomas. Wow! Yeah, that's, I, yeah, I'm serious to me. But as far as the sequels go in Psycho, mm-hmm. I enjoy four a lot because I like that prequel backstory of what made him so fucked up and how his mom was a goddamn train wreck. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and it shows okay. in four. Mother, yes, yeah. but so I, I need to go back and watch that and just actually mm-hmm. appreciate that even more because it's him. Yeah. But we're going to be discussing all things about this amazing season of gothic horror. I mean, mm-hmm. really, and that leads into what I kind of what I want to start with is there's the overall tone of the show, and to me, it's this gothic horror story slash family drama. Because of everything else that happens due to the fact that it's a fucking haunting of an entire family. Like, it, it, how it affected them because the only person who actually knew what was up was the father and he was trying to protect his kids. So there's this, like, long, like, I mean, that really, that really uh, embraced it. So I would actually say that he was the, while he reconciled what happened on the night that they all had to leave while well, he well it all came crashing down for him at that moment i think throughout the the throughout like them living in the house he was actually the last one to come to grips with it because i think and i think it hit him the hardest mm. because he was just going i think there's one more thing to fix there's one more thing to fix it's this it's this and he keeps trying to rationalize until there is nothing left to rationalize um, whereas other, like the kids are like, oh, I think I see something. Oh, there's mm-hmm. this. Oh, there's that. And he's like, my wife is tired. She's not insane. They're not seeing anything. It's an old house. There's mold. There's this. There's that. Yeah. Well, actually, with with the wife, it came to that she was insane. You need to take yes. a break. But I, I, I that, that you're actually right because I believe the ones that knew it all along were Theo and Nell, not Theo and Nell and Luke, the twins. They completely had. I think Theo. I mean, Theo, you could throw Theo, in there. Theo, you could throw in there, but I'm talking about they completely believed everything. Theo was still trying to rationalize, just like, uh, was it uh, Shirley? Shirley and Steven the rationalized things the most, I think. I, I think, though, with, with Theo, she it's almost like she knew what was going on, especially with her ability to touch and know. Mm-hmm. I think she just wanted to lock it out, hence the gloves. Yeah, I mean, early on, you know, when she goes to the, the house 
telephone. I don't know what you would call that contraption where you can talk and it goes to another room. But she puts her hand on the bed and instantly she's like, oh, there's some bad shit here. And the next thing you know, it's gloves on. So she knows. She just wants to live in denial while they still are in that place. Apathy. Yeah. And she's apathetic to it because like, I just, we're going to be out soon. I mean, it's fine. So I think that this is um, definitely a good time to mention because like part of like how I viewed this before like diving into it a little bit more is like so Mike Flanagan is the one that directed this and Mm -hmm. we you know we mentioned before that he also did things with Dr. Sleep and with other Stephen King properties and you know of course his own work but I I think that this this is really him um, using horror and using a ghost story to reconcile the lines of grief and addiction through um, via a lack of communication with the family. And what further brings into this is um, through like doing more research, I learned that um, this the book of this, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, um, had a direct input on both Stephen King and Steven Spielberg. Um, and that this, the two things that are at work with this, as far as like everyone is concerned, is it, is it a haunted house story or is it the story of a fragile woman losing their mind? And it, it was, um, the book was considered like one of the grandfathers of psychological horror. So all of that is playing into, um, bringing, being brought up to date, um, with this poor family that's just fodder for this house. Yes. Uh, and that, that really solidifies what the overall tone of the story is. The, the, this entire season of television, so we're looking at 10 episodes, mm-hmm. is some of the most hopeless, for the majority, mm-hmm. hopeless, like downtrodden, fucking draining yeah. storyline that, that I've seen in a long time. I mean, think about it. Like, name, like, there's not one ounce of hope. For me, the first ounce of hope didn't happen until, like, like, the final episode. Really, like everybody, like you start seeing hope when they go back to confront the house. But up until that point, it's all been about how fucked up their lives are because of their childhood and how fucked up their childhood was. And you kind of think the house is going to fucking win. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, you do. Because every other family member that's gone into the house to confront it has lost. Yeah. I mean, so. Yeah. Uh, like the house, like oh, good, we got you all here. No, no, house has got the red room, bitches. No, yeah, exactly. we gonna fuck your world up. I was just gonna throw out there real quick. You know, I, I'm pretty sure the show came out before Doctor Sleep, right? Correct. Yes, yes. But there are so many beats with how the show goes with Doctor Sleep. It makes complete sense that he directed that movie. So, um, one of the things that um they talked about that they that they did that I think further fed into. Flanagan's interest between this what he did with this and Dr. Sleep is that they balanced it between like things that happened in the book some stuff from Shirley Jackson's life and then you know obviously some stuff of their own creation um and one of the things that I I learned in like researching Shirley Jackson's life is that the one of the cycles that we see in there and that cycle of like addiction and control and things like that a lot of that relates to um to shirley's life where um so we can relate to uh shirley the character where um shirley jackson the author's husband uh stanley edgar hyman was both unfaithful to her with the some of the women that he taught at school and was also very controlling of the finances even though that she was the primary breadwinner um once her her book started selling and then on top of that she 
got locked into this cycle of prescription drug abuse based off of like the way they would kind of um prescribe things in that era where she had anxiety and agoraphobia so they prescribed barbiturates the barbiturates made her gain weight so to get add to the weight loss they prescribed amphetamines and it just went in circles and in circles oh, and in that's, circles that's horrible and on top of that she had a smoking addiction which contributed to her dying in bed at 48 years old oh fucking christ damn no that's 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 fucking hardcore yeah that's like a story but, in the show yeah <laughs> like, yeah damn. but so part of how they took her real life they did they did they did alter that so what we're seeing with mm-hmm. shirley's life is she was the one that was unfaithful correct and then also they were both breadwinners. They both went into this mm-hmm. business on their own. And he was actually the one that saw that if we want to actually not... And, and he did it from a perspective of family, not just like himself. Like, my kids need a house and food. I'm taking this. I'm taking these royalty checks, which did become a problem. But I cited him for lying about it. I don't cite him, I don't slide him for, cha- for taking it because I know what it's like being a parent and your utmost fucking priority is keeping your family fed, clothed, and housed. The three things you need to survive. Mm-hmm. And regardless, she wants to take all these pro bono cases, fine, honey, this is what I needed to do to make you do that thing you wanted to do. Lying about it, not so much. No. But that feed, and but that also feeds back into the overarching like theme of direct communication because there are so many things that could have been different about this story if they communicated and listened. Um, rather than everybody kind of deciding they knew what the other person was saying rather than listening. Or what happened. Right. But you can tell that she controlled that relationship so much that when he's talking to Theo and he's like, there's no way she can know. It'd be better if she found out I was cheating on her than to find out because she has controlled and put her foot down that they are not to accept any of that money. To the point, yeah, um, I'll come up with anything else else (laughs) (laughs) to the point like he knows that's the one thing she would flip her shit about and that goes into that the the family dynamic that had happened from this like murphy just said like you know you they all dealt with trauma Mm -hmm. and then they from the through the trauma they find out their their mom took a head a swan dive off of an upper balcony cracked a fucking skull broke her neck fucked up her leg i mean she got fucked in that fall and all they got told was basically that it was a suicide. And every single one of them believed something slightly different and thought they knew exactly what the truth was, right? Right, except for that other missing puzzle piece, that other horrifying truth about their mother that their father thought that he was doing the right thing by keeping... Not communicating like, hey... Correct. I need. I should have... Commu- and, he, and, and I will say this with the actors. We had Henry Thomas as young... Um, uh, God damn it! Timothy Hutton is the older version. Tim, yeah, Timothy Hutton. I was thinking about the, the actual father. Oh, Hugh name. Crane. They Hugh, actually, Hugh Crane. Yeah, they actually yeah. took it directly from who the patriarch of the Hill House was in the book, because Hugh Crane. It wasn't uh, William Hill as they listed in the in in the series. It his name actually is Hugh Crane. Okay. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so Hugh Crane, you've got Henry Thomas is young Hugh Crane, and you've got Timothy. Timothy Hutton. Hutton from which, Dark Half and uh, Which he does a great job. The mannerisms. Can we talk about that how they how they mimicked that perfectly? Mm-hmm. The side smirk in the mouth, like how they talked, the oh, stutter, yeah. that small stutter. If you really watch, there's a small stutter. Just the way they he both the mannerisms, that. the way he walked. It was oh. all just you you believed like you and it's thing, it's two actors that you know. 
Yeah. It wasn't like yeah. unknown actor, unknown actor. You, you fucking watched E.T. and somewhere you've seen uh, Timothy Hutton. I mean. Yeah. I mean, if it's not TV, it's a movie. Yeah. The right. man's been all over the place. Well, I think that we can give that shout out to pretty much all of the characters. Like, they did a really phenomenal job being a good older version of themselves. Is there someone in particular that you don't feel? Uh, Luke. Luke. I was about to say. Luke, man. He seems that's but so we don't, innocent. It was a child. Yeah. Oh, God. But see, that's the thing. Is that, okay, so I want you to think, of, this is going to sound really fucking terrible, but I want you to think about every straight edge hardcore kid you knew in high school and how they're all doing heroin right now. Mm. Mm. I thought that, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not, I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying, no, I do. I'm not, I thought that thing, when I saw long, young Luke, mm-hmm. it was just seeing old Luke, knowing that he had turned into, he had turned into heroin, he had been, latter terms, a junkie, uh, to, to cope with the ghosts that were always behind him, which oh, yeah. was a truth. Tall man. That oh, the, the oh, oh man, Lord. yeah, that was creepy as fuck. By the way, on the street. Oh, with the, oh. there are anyway, so yeah. many. Um, cool. One, two, three, three four, four, five, six, six seven. seven. <laughs> so seriously though, that older Luke just seemed not. I'm not. I'm not talking about weathered. I'm not talking about beaten. I'm just talking about verbally different than long, young Luke. Now I will say the last real scene we do see of young Luke is right when his friend is murdered by the mom. Correct. Yes. So we get the very last seconds of seeing young Luke before then we're later on with, you know, adult Luke. Seeing mom poison your, you know, friend that you've invited for a sleepover could fuck you up in the head. And knowing that she was about to poison you as well. Yep. Yes. And can we talk about how that was a nice added bonus that we got from just the season, the the episode one where they escape the house mm-hmm. and all you see is the mom staring through the window when you get to that episode, which is episode nine, and you see the fact that when they backed up, Luke saw Abigail in the window as well, and you're like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh shit. Yeah. And then Steve sees mom, but like, no, the Abigail one was cut from the first episode, like. That's, that, that that's, was a fucking slip That's right one of the things there. I really, really appreciate about the show is that you have same scenes, different perspectives. Because that first episode, you think... Steve. It's all from Steve's perspective right. as a kid. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Is close your eyes and run. And you assume, oh, they're being chased by a ghost. Oh, yeah. It's not till the puzzle piece comes in on the last episode when you go, oh, that's not how it goes. That's the mom. So Now, I did put together that it was the mom when I watched it initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they asked where mom was, and he's like, "Mom's not." I mean, he 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 right. does say he does say like, "No, we're get, we're leave we're getting away from mom." Mm-hmm. But and then when when they leave and you see them running away, you see that one like, and the way they do it is so fucking perfect as far as cinematography goes. It's when she, her right before she falls, so her arms are out and she looks like she's this fucking insane creature coming after them. Yeah. Right. Yep. But really, when you see it in episode nine, is she fell. Mm-hmm. Right. So. I knew it was mom, but it wasn't until episode nine where you saw really what had happened. And well, because Screaming Mimi is really breaks down into what happened right. to the mom. And you yeah. had to wait. You had to watch all this other family, individual. Every every fucking family member had their own individual episode mm-hmm. at here or there. So Well, they played with um, what reality was a little bit further in that episode because when they come down the stairs, the camera pulls out for just a second and you see people standing in both doorways that you know are not part of that family. The twins. No. 
Wait, you talk. Oh, you know. No, when they're so when when um Hugh is running out of the house with Steve over his shoulder, and he says, "Don't look behind you." They come down the grand staircase of the house to get out the front door, and the camera watches them come down to leave. And when it pulls out in either doorway at the bottom on either side of the staircase, there are people in those doorways. Yeah, they call them the twins. On the the the, the ones in the doorway, behind the stairs, they call them the twins. Okay. Yeah, that's what the ghosts are called. That's that's why I was like, but the twins are in the car. No, no, no. The <laughs> ghosts, those particular ghosts <laughs> no, that's fair. are I, called the twins. I misunderstood. And no, that's well, fair. Even before that, you've got when he's in the room and they and they watch the door turn while Poppy's yep. talking to mom. If you actually look behind Steve, there's William. There's William Hill just chilling, watching him. Oh, there's yeah. so Th- many. That's in the first episode. It is, and um, that that moment, and um, the moment where uh, it is, it's Theo in the room by herself, um, are good, really clear callbacks to both the original film and the book, because those are some of the distinctions of the things that happen um, with the haunting. Because the haunting, the 1963 haunting, is considered one of the most terrifying bloodless horror films. Um, and is still like the book is still cited by a lot of different authors as like an influence. But one of the things that they experienced that they weren't able to explain, which I'll go into my theories about like the passage of time and how that relates also to the way that they handled specifically the mom's character um, and a little bit of Eleanor's. Mm. But um, they they experienced like things would test the doorknob and then they would bang on the doors like to the point where it would almost like bow out like something wanted in and then it would go higher up on the door where they're like who the fuck is banging this high up on the door um and then like they would just try to rationalize and try to rationalize and you know it's it's a difference between like because in the original haunting of hill house they're essentially paranormal investigators going to this house to be like this is you know we're we're trying to link um you know this phenomena with you know a psychological study to to determine like you know that link between like ghosts and psychological like like essentially like a psychological heartbeat within the house um i'm sure there's a better way to put it but i've had beer um <laughs> beer alcohol's a thing <laughs> beer um and so that's their purpose of going to the house where these are all like randomly connected collected people um with the exception of later on um the doctor's wife and her like I don't know. Her nosy ass fucking friend comes. I don't like him. But <laughs> um, <laughs> fair, fair though, fair. Especially don't like his damn wife in the mm. original. But I mean, she's supposed to be a hated character. But that was one of those things. Um, and that also. Oh, the other thing that they did that led into that is that like the the calling of the house to Nell. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, I thought they did that well. Like, mm-hmm. I think. I think between the twins, both Luke and Nell mm-hmm. dealt with that, and Nell was let herself, and I say that loosely, let herself be tortured by that house. Where Luke, fuck it, he let himself be tortured by something else. He, I mean, I feel like he he chose that path, path of heroin use, to quell that. But I feel that's why I'm saying, like the two that felt the most from that house are the ones that did the most extreme things as they got older i feel like they both had tragedy from that house in different forms obviously luke it's heroin blocking that shit out and for nell she she's fighting and fighting and finally she finds someone to help her overcome 
the bent neck lady, mm-hmm. and the dude fucking dies, and then she's right back. Like, well, wait, didn't the bent neck lady kill him? No. Well, so here's so here's the thing, um, is that what he died of was a brain aneurysm, and the thing with the bent neck lady, so. Obviously, at this point, you know, you should fucking know that there's going to be spoilers. And I know that Hunter has feelings about saying spoilers on an episode. This has been out for thing. almost two years. You, I'm, not, you, I'm not saying you, spoilers. You hit play on in the episode Look, title. I yeah. was just saying, because <laughs> I want to say spoilers because the Bent Neck Lady is one of my favorite That reveal reveals. was beautiful, yes. it was it, it hit me so hard and was one of those reveals that I realized what was about to happen. Was it and I realized six? it's episode uh, five. five. Five, okay. It's episode five. And I realized what was about to happen. And then from the point of realization was then realizing that I could not stop or save the character. Um, and I mean, like, if you know anything about Hill House, unless they change things drastically, you know that Eleanor is doomed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the house specifically calls to her. Um Come home, Nell is written on the on the walls, in the series and in the book, um, where they're like she probably wrote it herself. She absolutely did fucking not. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> the bent neck lady is is her being forced to essentially like watch all these moments in time where she experiences sleep paralysis. Um, so she just happened to watch that moment in time because it's also. I think that those moments in time are, are largely triggered by distress because the house feeds off of people. And one of the l- loudest emotions from Nell, as far as I can tell, is distress. Yes. Um, and so I can't remember what the red room was for her. Um, oh, it was, um, God damn it. Uh, uh, her, hers was the tea party. Hers was the tea party. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, yes, I forgot about that. Thank that you That was so the much. reveal, but that was the reveal episode too. Like, it's mm-hmm. funny, her story and her experience with the Red Room tends to collide with the yep. whole realization of everything to do with the Red Room. Right. Because, like you said, it's, she's directly tied to that house the most. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where, um, so the original character of Eleanor Vance, um, is so lost, um, because she spent her whole life being something for someone else. And I think that it continued because like, you know, she spent her younger years being a twin and experiencing the sleep paralysis. And then her mother tried to poison her and her twin and their, her brother's friend. And then from there, she's just a lonely person that's never quite fitting in. Whereas like in the book, she has gone from being a lonely person who does what other every other people want to taking care solely of her invalid mother to the point where she blames herself for her mother's death because she didn't hear her mother knock on the wall um to come get her and then she's like and then it bleeds into did i really not hear her or did i choose not to go which is part of those things that feed in and part of where that knocking on the wall comes in where nell wakes up and is immediately like mom i'm coming mom i'm coming um, and then she feels the house start to call to her and starts to feel that she belongs to Hill House. She actually belongs here for the first time in forever. She belongs. And then time starts to go strange. So going with that, with some of the of the show, the so I feel like they utilize the knocking on the wall differently in the show mm-hmm. because that was between Theo and Shirley where they experienced the knocking, like that abrupt knocking. You remember when they were younger and then it happened again in the funeral home Oh, later down the road yeah. it was the same thing yeah it did where it was this, this, this loud banging and then uh, uh, I think when they were younger uh, it was either Steve or Hugh walked, ran in and was like what's going on I was like you didn't hear that and there was just this loud banging mm-hmm. but for Nell 
Uh, I remember that, it, you know, you only see her live in the present for a short time in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And she does wake up suddenly mm-hmm. and then make her trek. And she's trying to call everybody. Mm-hmm. But the one thing they do show about that, and then the, I like that they tie into her story, is the dancing. Yes. Yeah. Like, they tie it into her life, but all, but then you realize, oh, that's her at the house. That's like, also a callback to the original film. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a really nicely shot callback, especially where she dances through the garden. I like to just throw out there the fact that I'm pretty sure she stays at the same hotel that her mom, mom did. Does. Yes, yeah. she does. They yes, all she do. Does. And watching that, I was like, Ooh. oh, shit. That's yeah. like, I caught that when they, when they were going through the, the mom's flashback, and I was like, oh, shit, like straight up, like lying about it and everything. That's yeah. the same hotel they stay at when they escape that night, too. Yeah, if you look at the inside of the walls, yeah, it's oh, the same. Oh, shit. It's just more lit when that scene happens. And when, when it comes to Nell and uh, the mom, it's there's no lights on. Right. But when you see, when they when he drops the kids off to go back to the house and finds the mom dead, and they're still at the hotel, if you look, you can tell the color I mean, on the walls and everything. I'm going to pick drapes. up on this, because my plan is to rewatch this pretty I've soon. I've, I, this, what, uh, this before, prior to this episode, it was me rewatching it. Um and rewatching it with notes to actually look for the ghost because I wanted to see that. And even oh, though man. knowing, hold on, even though knowing that they were going to be there, still chills in my oh, fucking veins. Oh my god! Veins. Like so fucking creepy. Even though you know it, when you see it, you're like, holy fuck! And when you discover it without, because I, I, there's some I saw without Murphy. It. They'd sent me a whole link to all the. Yeah, she did. Yeah, in the background, <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna look at it. After the episode, so when you find it on your own, <laughs> it certainly does fuck with you because there's a scene with Nell where she's pulling the wallpaper, and you look down, and there's like a piano or a chair, and there's a hand down there. There's two hands. Yes, and like, and you see the yes. hands, and then you're yeah. like, okay, but then you look over to her other shoulder, and there's somebody else. And I was like, God damn, they were like, like following her everywhere. Do y'all have a favorite creepy ass ghost from the series? Because I definitely Ooh, have one. Um. Mm. Like that you—that's blatant, or that's in the background. The, the background ghosts. We're only talking about background ghosts because those would be like, "Oh, like the bent neck lady," and be like, "A fucking course you do. You just spent like yeah. twenty minutes talking about Nell." But there, <laughs> there, there, there are the obvious ones, and the, but the, mm-hmm. the hidden ones, like, all right, I'm, I, I'll start with like my second favorite, and everyone can go through that. In the first episode, the fucking staircase. Oh my god! God damn! Yeah, I didn't. I didn't expect. I didn't expect coming out the gate swinging your dick like, oh hey, here's a ghost. The fuck? Like, I didn't expect that at all. Man, I don't even swing my titties that hard, and that's like two fucking (laughs) pendulums just pow. (laughs) But they came out hard with the hidden ghost shit because unless you're looking when you when you see, you're like, oh oh Jesus. Go ahead. Oh no, please, please. I was gonna say, I think it's either the, the. Second to last episode or last episode, when I guess Hughes passed out on the couch and gets woken up, and as he's getting up, right outside the window, just standing right there. Yeah, I haven't even looked to verify that. I just saw that. I'm like, yep. Oh, if you think you see somebody, there's probably somebody yeah. fucking there. No, no, no one online has come out and said like we have 100% identified all the ghosts. No, no yeah. one said that. They're like, this is what we have so far. Right. If you see more, please notify. Oh, there's and we can update it. Tons <laughs> of them. So many fucking ghosts. I think my favorite is an ep- I think it's episode three, but it's the episode where Theo lowers Luke in the dumbwaiter, mm. and Theo is upstairs by herself, and oh, it's yeah, it's in the corner right it's, there. It's a shot. No, it's oh. a shot where you can see Theo in front of 
the dumb waiter. Luke is down below, and there's you can see into the dining room, and there's this tall, crooked figure just weirdly like moving through the dining room, and you can see it's like twisted head and like this long arm, and mm-hmm. it, bull, yeah. Bull. Like yeah. I, I straight okay. I'm gonna straight up admit, like I watched the first episode, had a weird ass fucking nightmare, and was like, I'm watching everything else in daylight. Yay! <laughs> I couldn't do that. I told you about uh, my ep- my nightmare though, yeah. right? I just I wanted the full experience, and so it was. I only, watched it all during night. I watched only it night, all night, and you don't I live with I, people. I live with a cat. You know who's that's... not gonna fucking hold me if I wake up upset? The fucking cat. Oh. <laughs> I made the mistake though of not realizing until probably the I was almost done like last three episodes. I hooked up my soundbar with the subwoofer. Holy shit! I strongly suggest if you already watched it, if you have a way of hooking it up with the sub, there are effects that just add to the intensity when they go into rooms. Everything that sub just kicked in, and you already know before the, even the music tones in. Oh shit! Something the fuck is about to go down. It's really effective. So I strongly suggest. But yeah, no, it takes a lot to freak me out. I've, I've, I mean, come on. We watch so many fucking horror movies. And lots and lots, lots of movies. And I, I will say yeah. congratulations because there are parts that freaked me the fuck out. Oh. And it was exciting. It was exciting to me because I'm like, ooh, oh, yeah. ooh, what's that feeling? Oh, that's actual. Like, that's exactly how I feel. When I actually get freaked out, I'm yeah. like, thank you. Yes. New blood. New blood in these old if veins. I, if I ever see uh, the director, I just want to hug him. Like, thank you for bringing it back. I got scared. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Bly Manor is supposed to be even more horrifying. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, he's, they're like, apparently... he's not relying on jump scares. He's yeah. he's ready. Yeah. He said, they're like, the, 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 the guards are off. We're going in. Yeah. yeah we're raw dogging this. It's not even jump scares because he'll set up and you'll see something. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, the tall man with the cane. When Luke looks at him and he's looking through the rooms and then he goes in, and he goes into the room, and you see him leaving. You're like, oh. and then Luke makes that one sound. Turns around. Oh, you see them stop pulls. and turn around. But as soon as he's approaching the bed, you're like, you're fucked. You're and then fucked. he pulls oh, yeah. the blind aside, and oh, yeah, that scared a shit out of me. Well, I think that's like part of what makes the series so effective is that there's that like that unstoppable march of dread for so much of it, where you're just like, is there an escape? Like. Is there a way out for them? Because I don't fucking know. Lights flickering. I was fucking nervous about this shit in broad daylight. Like, did I tell you about the nightmare that I had when I Mm-mm. watched the first episode? Do no. you mind? Real f- oh, yeah, yeah. So I watched the first episode and was like, hmm, well, that seems like a thing I'll probably need to watch the rest of in daylight. Surely I should be okay tonight. Came over here, watched, um, what was the, not Ready or Not, the other, the... Uh, you're next. Oh, you're next. Yeah, oh. badass, badass warrior woman hunting people the fuck down. Um, and I was like, yeah, surely I'm gonna do great. Went to bed, had a dream where I kept hearing screaming coming from my mattress, and so I got someone to help me take my bed apart so I could figure out what was going on. If it was the person downstairs, we whipped the bed sheets off the bed, and I'm not sleeping on a mattress. It is a person suspended with their face and hands even and screaming and nice. then i woke up yeah yay that's right thank you netflix awesome <laughs> thank you mike flanagan i have trouble sleeping and i love it <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think of what the most horrifying go like i really find it hard because there were there's just so... there no it's the fact that the majority are in there and they are all horrifying yeah like when they pop up they are 
they're all horrifying. That's I think that's what it is for me. Well, actually, I think the most beautiful thing about this series for me is that the ghosts are horrifying. Yeah, like the people that they were were horrifying as well. But the the breaking down of humanity and sanity of everyone involved, I think, is one of the most effective treatments of horror in this. Um, and it it is part of that, like, it wraps itself within that processing of grief. Yes. Um, and I think that that's part of what makes this so effective is it's that, like, it's it's loss after loss after loss and questions and more questions and trying to get resolution. That Hugh keeps saying he's not telling them for their own good. Yeah. Well, it's more uh, than that. I, but... I, I was just going to no. throw out there, yeah. sometimes he doesn't need... You don't have to see anything. Mm-hmm. I can tell you when he was working on that wall in the basement. Oh, dude. And you hear the scratching. No. Yeah. Yep. And he's just like, oh, these damn rats. And us as viewers, we all go, no, it's, it's not fucking rats. Yeah, get a body fucking rats in there. Unless well, that white haired lady bitch over there in the corner. And that's what's so great is something as simple as just little scratches is freaky as shit in the show. So, so I want to tie into what Murphy was saying, but also like then lead into. Uh, something about the show that you were saying. Uh, you're right. Uh, and I think out of everyone in the family, outside of you know Hugh thinking that him not telling his children what actually was going on was the best thing for them, but Steve is the only one that adamantly came out and said that he believed there was foul play and his dad actually fucking essentially murdered his mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what he believes. That's the false yeah. truth that everything led him to believe. Uh, which we mentioned earlier about people just there's no communication and people believing what they think is the truth and so Steve has harbored all this he thinks there's a fucked up gene in the family mm-hmm. in the crane family there's a there's fucked up genetics something wrong with their brains so he got himself fucking snipped yeah I was about to say yep. lied to his fucking wife prior to being married to them knowing she wanted kids and I was like dude you're equally fucked dude you're as equally fucked as your fucking dad. Yep. Like, how the fuck you get on your high horse and bitch your dad when you lied to this woman who loved you, wanted to marry and wanted to marry you, also wanted to have kids. You did this out of college before you met her, didn't tell her. Yeah, right. What I'm kind of piece I, of shit are you? I keep trying. I don't know. It's what just kind of, weird. And then they show that scene in the fucking doctor's office where he's like, uh, you know, and they talk about how it was last he masturbated, yada, yada, yada. And never came out like, oh, yeah, I'm snipped. Like, what the flying fuck? That's when it came out where it, she was like, I've done all these things. Like, he literally let her start to feel like it was her fault. Yeah. yeah. Rather than just be like, so the reason we can't get pregnant is because I had a fucking vasectomy. It's that easy. I mean, yeah. I say it's that easy, but like literally those words, it's the answer to the question. Yeah. That's the answer oh. right there. I got snipped. That's that done. La- that last episode when the house jumps in to try to like just fuck with you. And he's sitting there talking to her. She's pregnant, and she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Oh, and she pulls out her fucking stomach and starts just turning black. And she starts yeah. turning into a corpse. Oh man! Oh, it's stuff like that. Yep. It's like bravo. By the way, bravo. Can we talk about the makeup and just going with that? Can we talk about the makeup they put on Nell for all that horrific shit oh and how she God. she even as a ghost in the in the first episode she looked innocent and sweet and just scared and terrified to this horrific fucking ice in the veins look like. Mm-hmm. That actress, I don't know how she got her face to look like that, but that was fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like, straight up terrifying. Yeah. No, that, that Bravo. she does it multiple times throughout the series. Whenever they show her, like, rise up from the fucking slab yeah. before they, you know. Oh, and when then the- when she's a fucking corpse in the Betting Egg Lady, she, her face goes from adorable to goddamn terrifying. Yeah. She's so expressive. That's what, it was perfect with that. Yeah. Yeah. I love when the mom goes in and she has her, I guess, flash forward thing. Mm-hmm. 
and there's now she's laying dead. She gets up and she's trying to talk and she's got to snip. The, oh, snip. <laughs> I was like, oh. that is fucking awesome. And oh God. And then she's seeing the same time what actually happened in, in the present where Luke shot himself up with fucking rat, rat poison. poison. How did he fucking survive that? I don't fucking know. I, I still believe that it was the, the house. Like, I don't think that they, that I don't think that Luke injected himself because that was part of those, those things. And it showed that Poppy could affect things, which is how both Olivia, who is Hugh's wife, um, their mother and Eleanor ended up dying. Well, Eleanor died because of Olivia pushing her where she thought she was putting on her mother's necklace that she loved so very much. <laughs> the and... rope-like necklace. And well, and she <laughs> thought. No, I know. I know. But I'm it just was saying, just, like, yeah. as an audience, you're like, that's a fucking rope. And Olivia was still stuck in the same mind frame that she was when she died. Mm -hmm. That this is how she's protecting her children because yep. of Poppy. Yep. Poppy manipulated yep. her so much that even in death, while she's haunting the house, yep. she still thinks that that mentality is correct. Even though she listens to Poppy talk about how she drowned her children to keep them always the safe same. and no the same. Yeah. No more screaming memes. No more screaming memes. No more screaming memes. I mean, you yeah. talking about the house influence stuff. I mean, we see Luke pour a fuck ton of gasoline. And what is an amazing scene. He's like, all right, fuck you, house. Yep. Throws it on there. The it turns blue and disappears. And he's like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, guess yeah. what? You, yeah, you're fucked, dude. <laughs> I mean, so I, I think it's it's a really unique story because instead of like having it be this thing where the spirits are way, what makes the house haunted, this like the the thing about Hill House has always been like that this house is innately bad. Something inside it is rotten, and the core of the house itself exists to devour the life that resides within it. And mm -hmm. so they and like they talk about it being like fodder to you know the people that that come inside of it and i think that this is yet another thing that makes it natural for flanagan to want to gravitate towards this story because it relates so much to how the overlook functioned yes oh no, no, yeah exactly and it's really a lot in the um screaming memes episode mm -hmm. where you've got steve and hugh talking and steve and hugh's like no the worst thing that could happen for any of you is to go into that house. Yep. You are an unfinished meal. You are the leftovers. Yep. Ah, damn. And I'm like, oh, God damn it, yeah, dude. That's, it's, it's stuff that's, like that. Oh. It's stuff like that. You're like, of course he directed the sequel to Shining. All right? Yes. Like, you, you, when you talk like yes. that, and you it's so many of the same beats yeah. that you're just like, yeah, this guy, it, it was so you obvious. He had a longer, larger platform to really delve into this meat and this meal and this fork. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Sleep, he amazing. He did as much as anybody could do for a adaptation of a Stephen King property following a Kubrick film, oh my which God. he incorporated both he the book and the film. The so. He did yeah. so well with that. But that, that, that on the drive to Hill House between Stephen and Hugh really told everything. It's like, Hugh knew. He's like, that's why I told your sisters to stay there. This house wants you. It is not finished with you. You got out before we could devour you whole. And it, every other family that ever lived there, it just ate it up. Yep. It, it's like a fucking cancer. The house is a fucking cancer. So um, the book opens and ends with this as its last line. And I believe that they put it in the opening to the series as well. No live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. Even larks and katydids are supposed, by some, to dream. Hill House, not sane, stood by itself against its hills, holding darkness within. 
It had stood so for 80 years and might stand for 80 more. Now, I believe they tried to, they reworded that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. in Steve's writing, that does come out. Yes, it does. In the beginning, and then you see how it's reworded in the finale. Mm -hmm. He, he, because he starts off telling a story and then the house is fucking with him, but he ends it still on that same story path as when he was being fucked with at the beginning of the episode. Um, so that, that's, that, 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 that narration yes. was needed. I yes, feel it like was. in that, in that. I do love how you see Hugh just being in denial over and over again with all the Blaine signs and the, the, the discussion he has with the uh, groundskeeper. The Dudley. Dudley. Mr. Dudley. Dudley. When they're down in the basement and he's just like, she needs a break from the house. Yeah. She and, needs a break. And, and mm-hmm. at first he's like, fuck you, dude. And he's like, okay. Let's give you a little history lesson. And he doesn't just go one. He's like, let me tell you about my mom. Let me tell you about my wife. Tell me my you, kid. Let me tell you my kid. Because I'm, I'm not just coming out of nowhere. This house is fucked up. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that I read, and I'm mad at myself because I didn't write it down um, for the specifics, but um, they talk about like the significance of the number seven um, and like, you know, how... how Luke counts to seven and this is within the series itself so Luke counts to seven there's seven family members and there's seven stages of grief Um, and they talk about um, the way that each of the family members is supposed to relate to that did I fuck that up is there not seven stages of grief no I was just gonna say there's also seven levels of hell and seven deadly sins there are (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just throwing out more sevens it's weird the the, the gentleman with the Slayer shirt would have that always ready to go (laughs) right but specifically like And those things, I think, played into it as well. But I remembered specifically because the series deals so much with grief and and the the way that the series ends up resolving itself. Um, How many steps of grief are there? Seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, I see I see you baiting me, but you're gonna actually have to do some work here, Hunter. I brought notes, I read, and you have to do more than forget a number this time. I have beer. I have beer. That's all so, he's got. Yeah. That's all he's got. He's got beer. But no, you're right. Um, and I think if you really break down, for, you really have to break it down from episode one to the finale mm-hmm. through all the family members and see how that grief and those seven lovers played out. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think at the end, between the oldest, Steve and Shirley, they were the strongest. I think Theo was a little bit younger. She was more willing to accept it. Like, remember when they're right there on their car ride to the house and they're arguing, and then Nell yells at them. Theo's the first one to say, like, did you see that? That was fucking Nell. That was her. Shirley didn't want to believe it mm-hmm. until Theo had a breakdown. Right. That was Nell telling us to stop. Which like, which is just so. crazy that Shirley still is fighting fighting it when the the knocking on the fucking doors and the windows, oh, no, those... those it's, just, in, it's Halloween. Oh, it's those, pranksters. those, you know, those silly, invisible yeah. kids. Uh, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. It's, come on. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you're, I think you're right. I think... Every character does have its own specific form of those levels of grief, uh, and I and I, I think the thing is what they're trying to show is that they never got out of their specific form of grieving. Correct, and it was through communication and through acceptance Finally. with Nell. Finally, as that catalyst, <laughs> yes, that they were able to actually process, discuss, and move on. Do you think that with yes, Nell is drawn she is part of that's where that's where mm-hmm. you're, you're led to believe she belongs and that's why she goes back right that's what that's what you're led to believe yeah. we discussed that a little earlier do you think that part of that with the wibbly wobbly timey wimey shit <laughs> going on in the house oh my god that um 
it's also because she that has to happen to fix the rest of the family. I was just about to say that that she knows the only way she has to sacrifice herself to so she, fix everyone else. I don't know that it was I don't think it was a planned sacrifice. I think that Nell needed answers. And I think that um I think that her own resolution had to come from confrontation with the thing that was the root of so much for her. And so I think that like Nell was ready to look for acceptance first, but unfortunately the thing that she was going back to to seek all of this understanding in a time where she was already experiencing grief, in a time where she was ultimately alone, um, was just I don't want to I guess damning for her. Yeah, um, oh, that's that's actually a good description. Damning fits. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I find it interesting. She reached out to her body before she did. She went to she went back to the house, almost like almost like someone stopped me, but yeah. nobody answered her at the time. And and then could you imagine being your family member and you have to fucking pull their guts out of their chest cavity and then make them look pretty. For a fucking funeral? She chose to do I know, but god damn, come on. I know. know. That's fucking harsh. Like, I've had family members die, and I can't stand just to look at them sometimes because, like, it's as much as pretty as they make them, they're they're still not alive. That's why my dad was cremated, but I was still there when he died. So that was, but you know. So now imagine having to fix them up to look pretty. Like, I I don't, I just, whoa. But on a certain level, as fucked up as it is, and and even though she uses it as a weapon, because that's kind of Shirley's mo. Oh yeah. Um, I think in a weird way, like that's her coping mechanism. It's cathartic for her. Um, I that. think that like, I think that this was the last thing that she could do for her sister. When she and she might there might have been guilt with not answering the phone. Right. Involved with that as well. And yeah. I think that's what she represents, if I remember correctly, doesn't she? Guilt? guilt is one of those the stages, right? Yes, guilt yeah. is one of the stages yeah. with grieving. Yes. Yeah, and I you mean think where that's... she sees the guy she fucked over and over again. Yep. Yeah. Doing yeah. the how you doing? No, she's definitely <laughs> guilt because yeah, I mean it was, it was yeah. everywhere. <laughs> it yeah. was everywhere. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna throw out. I really do like to uh, when you get with Luke, and obviously he's dealing with what he thinks is just this random where he's feeling stiff and cold, and he's like sharing. It's a way of his twin twins saying, connection. Yeah. 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 And but he's a junkie, so he's like, "What's you know?" Everybody's like, "Oh, you're just going through the." And it's, dude, they did a great job showing that though. Where like when he calls back, he's like, "I couldn't save her, and I'm so fucking cold." And Nella just killed herself. Yep. And it, but there's a connection there where he's just like, "Just give me a fucking bed. I'll sleep on the floor. I'm so just fucking me, cold." Yeah. I remember that was, and so... I was like, "That is so intense, so fucking intense." Mm-hmm. God damn it! Oh, but you're right. As a junkie, you're like, "No, you just." You're just fiending. You're yeah, just, that's, you're that's just all that's happening. It's yeah. a draw right now. That's all. It's fine. You're good. Could be over in a little bit. Because he acknowledges when he finds his friend. She's like, oh, I'm just going to go to the alleyway for like a second. Oh, be I good. couldn't like, save her. Bye-bye. I couldn't, bye-bye. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't yeah, save her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not it. only that, she stole the money and she ran. Yep. Yeah. 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 And which I like, the, again, the house fucking with them. It's like, hey, look at this. I used no, the money. I, get, I, went, I ran to get the room. Yeah. I got the room. Oh, the room's yeah. great. Yeah. Like, and then, oh, the one dude was right with the melted eyes. I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Those effects. <laughs> dude. Fuck it, eh? Fucking right. No, and again, I mean, hey, look, mm. you got to do them right because if you're not going to do practical effects, make them look good. 
Make the CG look good, and, and it look good. And you, countless look episodes, good. we just shit all over movies or shows for being lazy. This one's like, here you go, top notch. I mean, Flanagan yep. is really selective about his use of CGI, and it's like, true. and that was one of the things um, again that ties it back Other to like, his use with, with um, <laughs> Stephen King, um, where he did not want to use CGI to make someone look like Jack Nicholson. They just needed to give that impression. And Same I with really, really, really appreciate yeah, that. that actor as well. Mm-hmm. And the voice on... But just, just as uh, a director. Wendy Torrance, the voice, yeah. that oh, yeah. actress. I swear to God, I couldn't tell it wasn't Shelley Duvall. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, it was well, Shelley we, Duvall to me. Well, we talked about in yeah. the Dr. Sleep episode how much I appreciate it because a lot of directors are like, okay, we have the technology, just plaster his face mm-hmm. on. There's only going to be a few lines of dialogue. doesn't matter. Nope. And... Going about it the way he went about it was perfect. So I just had to give him props on that because he acknowledges, hey, I'm going to use digital for these effects, but you don't have to use it for fucking everything, all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they... Um, that is truth. He was really selective. And I I need to go back and watch some of his earlier work because I, I am guilty where I, I have... I haven't seen nearly as much of Mike Flanagan's work as I would like to, but honestly, like... With the haunting of Hill House, it's really spurned me to want to do that and to and listening to him talking about his previous work and the things that led him to this point um, make me really excited about who he is as a creator. Now, I will say that prior to even knowing who Mike Flanagan was, I had seen some of his work. Like I, I didn't, I paid attention to him at Doctor Sleep. Did not know at the time that he was the director of The Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. But I had seen Hush prior to that, and I had been advised by friends to go see uh, Oculus, that was good, and that Ouija Origins of Evil was better than actually the first one, the first one mm-hmm. yeah. which I was like, eat a dick, I don't want to watch this movie, <laughs> it's a tire fire. <laughs> <laughs> so I still have not seen um, Before I Wake and Abstentia, but I have seen everything else. And they, they're good. Like he has gotten better. Like between Hush mm-hmm. and Gerald's game, up to Doctor Sleep before, and and then this. Like oh my god! Like amazing. Like rewatchable as fuck. I just have a quick note, and then you can talk about the the films that you've seen. So like one of the things that they mentioned um, that he talked about in one of his early interviews with I think it was McGarris, but he talked about Before I Wake and how it's like it was originally called a Somniac. Um, and it sat in limbo for a long time. I think it also starred Annabeth Gish, who is Mrs. Dudley in Haunting of Hill House. Nope. She is in that. Annabeth Gish yeah. is in uh, Before I Wake, yes. And it's it centers in how families have to heal after the death of a child. And that's what that film is about. And it's much less a horror film, but more of a drama. And I think that dealing with that level of grief played in aggressively to The Haunting of Hill House. And I haven't even seen the film yet, but listening to um, Annabeth Gish talk about the way that she handled that character and what the family goes through to try to heal from that. Oh, I I need to watch it with a snuggle buddy or some shit because I'm going to be a wreck. <laughs> I was just going to say uh, I appreciate that we have an, another director that is able to actually do a good job with Stephen King. Adapt Stephen King yeah. outside of Darabont and pretty much... Well, the dude that did it, 
in chapter two. And, uh, uh, God damn his uh, name. Yeah. Fuck, I just but yeah, because yeah, there's a period of time, and we brought up with Stephen King, uh, where it was a shit ass. show. It was ass. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so it's nice that there's there's now another director you can trust besides Darabont. Well, it was dated. Was yeah. At best, because I think that if we were watching those properties like in the '80s as fresh, like you know, babe-faced humans coming into the world of horror, we might have felt differently about some stuff. I'm talking about more of the late 90s and the early 2000s Stephen King stuff. Terrible. That's it's just, terrible. just god-awful. The well, late I mean, 90s and I'm talking to you, trucks. are a train wreck. Yes. I'm talking to you, trucks. In general. I'm, I'm talking to Maver TV Shining. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. There was Jesus just Christ. a lot. Stephen King did the screenplay for that. Uh, Good yeah. for him. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you I, yeah. I just wanted to see your face, man. <laughs> Like just, and, so there was a period of time where, <laughs> based on a Stephen King novel, it wasn't the safest bet. Let's just say that. All right. Yeah. No, v- versus prior to that, in the in the eighties, you were like, oh, this is gonna be good. Yeah. It lost that hard going into the nineties. <laughs> okay. Late nineties, mid to late nineties, it lost that a lot. Well, um, I th- it's true. I think part of what they were struggling with, though, is because um, I think that. The 80s was a big renaissance for horror, and then I think now we're experiencing a new renaissance for horror. And in that interim, I think it was really difficult for horror to be taken seriously, for people to like be like, I want this money for a horror movie. And they're like, yeah, okay, we're looking for Oscar bait, that sort of shit. And they're like, no, but this could win an Oscar. And they're like, are you Silence of the Lambs? Because otherwise we don't fucking care, which is honestly a really bullshit view because is. horror is such a powerful genre to talk about subversive topics oh. utilizing horror and uh if you want to hear more on that we did a whole episode on the new renaissance <laughs> of horror where no we dive directly into how the fact that a horror movie was up for uh, an oscar for uh, best screenplay and best director in jordan peele with get out oh, i yeah. mean I'm just saying, for horror to take that mantle and in the Oscars. Oh, absolutely! Like that's that's incredible. So no, horror has definitely come back around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we've seen. I mean, between the Lighthouse, Midsummer, Hereditary, uh, uh, yeah, Get Out. I mean, we can go got, on. We can go and on. on. There's a huge list. Now, I do want to kind of keep it within Flanagan. Oh yeah. Right now, because he is the mastermind of bringing this Hill House to life. But I mean. We mentioned some, we mentioned his movies. We mentioned he did Doctor Sleep, Gerald's Game, Hush. We talked about Oculus, Ouija, and some people haven't seen Before I Wake and uh, uh, Abstentia, which I haven't seen either of those two. Right. Either. Yeah. But he also has his peeps. So yeah, like, he does. You got his wife, who I don't know if anybody oh knows. Oh my god, Katie. Uh, I'm, I hope I'm not Kate right. Siegel. Kate Siegel. Yep. Who was Theo in, ha- in House <laughs> of Hill ha- really? House? I uh, you wanted know her to be gay I change, so bad. I changed I love my mind her. about him. I hate him. Yeah. Fuck that dude. No, she's fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, no. I like, know. That's why I drop for her. Yeah. Drop no. dead gorgeous. Everything, I don't say about a lot of people. Drop dead gorgeous. Oh everything actors, actors, actresses, everything whatever. nice I said about him, I- I'm taking it all back. But God, fuck that dude. She was also in Dr. Sleep. <laughs> she was. <laughs> she was the mom of young. Uh, yeah, she was. In Gerald's game. She was the mom of young. Carla Gugino. Yeah. Just like Henry Thomas was the father. Yeah. So, and she was also in Hush. She was the main character in Hush. Okay. She was in Ouija, Origins of Evil, and she was in Oculus. Mm-hmm. She was also the actual one of the writers on Hush and uh, Gerald's Game. Yeah, so they she's do not a lot together. They do a lot together. Yeah. That is his wife. I love that. That's amazing, and that's beautiful. I do too, but can we just have a moment <laughs> to think about her in the club scene with those suspenders and the long gloves? Yeah. Covered in sweat. Mm. 
I, you know what? I, I will say I, I don't condone the house the house fucking with them, except the scene with the house fucking with her, with the uh, girl covered in tattoos that's, you know, saying really fucked up yeah. shit. Yeah. That was the only one I was like, yeah, give the house a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a few more minutes of the house fucking with her before we uh, get her saved, because... I'm enjoying this scene. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> but we've also we've also got he, he's got Henry Thomas. He used him in this. Mm-hmm. He used him in Doctor Sleep as as Jack Torrance and Lloyd the bartender. And then we also have him, like I said, as uh, Carla Gugino's father in the flashback that like beats off to her during the fucking uh, 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 what do you call that? Where the sun and the moon and the eclipse. The eclipse. Remember the eclipse scene in Gerald's game. I haven't seen Gerald's game oh, yeah. yet. Oh, it's but terrible. Spoiler. Now I'm going to look Spoiler. for the beating up. It's not. It's very obvious. <laughs> I've watched half of it. So I if you didn't get to the flashback. have not hit that part of that young, movie yet. Young, uh, uh, young Carly Gino is sitting on her dad's lap during the eclipse. And you see him making moves and then making weird noises. It's fucking disgusting. All right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, but I'm, I'm oh. just saying. He's got yeah. his. And then oh, a big one. And he he I thought he was in Hill House, but he's not. Is Carl Strickin? Mm-hmm. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. He was uh the the older guy in the True Knot in Doctor Sleep. Oh yeah. And he was also the Moonlight Man in Gerald's Game, which you probably haven't gotten to because I've gotten to yeah, yeah, now I thought he was apparently I stopped. I thought stopped he was William right Hill before. at first, but William Hill was actually Fedor Steer, who was also in Doc uh Doctor Sleep and Hill House. He likes yeah. to use his actors. He does. I have. I'm, I'm going to look him up real quick. Um, but you got Robert Longstreet, who was Mr. Dudley, but he was also one of the True Not in Doctor Sleep. You've got Elizabeth Reeser, who was Shirley in Hill House. She was also in Ouija: Origins of Evil. And you've got Annabeth Gish, we talked about, who was in Before I Wake and Hill House. And she's been in a bunch of stuff. Oh, like... she was in uh, that. There was that. There was a Showtime show with. Uh, a bunch of people. She was the wife in that. She's been in tons. Yeah, as of soon stuff. as she showed up on screen, I was like, "Hey, it's that chick that I've yeah. seen in a bunch of stuff." Yeah. She, I think she's cameoed in like almost every TV show. Like, I think she was on The Office or Parks and Rec, some shit like that. So, I think you also should mention that Car- Carol Strickland is Lurch in the fucking Adams Family. Movies. Oh yes, yes, he is Lurch in both Adams <laughs> yeah. Family and Adams Family Values. That, yes, he is Lurch. I think oh. that will place that yeah. face yeah. real fast. Because I was yeah. like, "Wait a minute, what's Lurch doing there, sucking the souls out of children?" Yeah, it's Lurch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm actually sorry. Thank you, though. Um, I, because for me, it's like dirt. Because when you see him, you're like, oh, that's Lurch. Yeah. Like, so when you watch Gerald's game, you see the Moonlight Man, like, oh, okay, that's Lurch. Okay. Like, it's, it's, it's Lurch, like, without a doubt. But yeah, so Flanagan is like we've mentioned before, Darabont and multiple directors on the GUI episodes, Tim Burton. All these people have their people. Yeah. All these directors have their peeps. But of course you do. Because if you know that somebody can take direction, isn't a drama queen or drama king or what have you or drama person to work with on the set you know can be a multifaceted individual for what you need and knows their lines and shows up and is professional why the fuck are you gonna risk someone where you're like "Mm, maybe when you're like this guy is perfect true and which darabont does the same thing i mean he does everybody's got their favorites i mean let's talk about Ramy and Campbell. I mean but we're just (laughs) well (laughs) we're just talking about in the when we did the blob killer filler uh what's his name that played dale 
He's in the blob, I'm and saying, he, Darabont. Followed Darabont. he followed Darabont. Darabont has his people. Because the same dude that was in that, it was Dale in Walking Dead, was the lawyer in Shawshank. He was another role in Green Mile. There's like he was three the dude that literally or four runs, Darabont figures he, He's the guy in the, the mist that runs out and goes, there's something in the mist. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> fuck, so. like, their directors, they have trusted actors, and that's, I mean, you can see that he does the same thing. Every performer, every person who hires has their favorites. I have performers that are my favorite because I know that they bring a crowd. They fucking deliver. They do their job. They're fucking outstanding. And I'm like, I don't have to worry about them. That is one less factor in a wave of what the fuck could happen that I oh, feel more bonus. secure. They're yeah. like, no. I, yeah. All right. Cool. Yes. And you don't have to worry about it. You just don't have to worry about it. And with that, with Flanagan, and I'm, uh, I, I honestly, he has proven to me, especially with him taking on so far two king properties and i'm a yeah. i'm a fucking i'm i am a i'm a goddamn tyrant when it comes to king properties <laughs> the fact that his upcoming stuff i don't worry about it i think it's gonna be good you know what he's got upcoming he's got the season two we got bly manor right right <laughs> his other thing that's based off of turning turn of the screw isn't it yes oh god loosely. it's gonna be so good loosely. Well, it's gonna be based like, yeah. probably similar to how loosely this was the, yes but they weaved it so well, so. There's been other adaptations of that, and when that season two comes out and mm. is done, we will get into that. There's other adaptations of Turning of the Screw that have happened already, mm. that, that, because loosely. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's other versions. Um, the other thing he's doing is a film called Revival, which, you guessed it, is based off of a Stephen King book named Revival, which me and, me and my buddy Ali went to D.C. and uh, saw him at an auditorium give like a three-hour Q&A slash book signing slash thing for revival so if you bought the book which was like uh, i mean it was a hardcover book it was like 25 bucks you got into the thing for free so basically when you, you bought the ticket you're you're buying the book and you got into the q a for free so me and ali got to go see stephen king do a q a and then go get our book and then leave in dc back in uh 2015 2014 2014 in the immortal words of toki wartooth seriously as i hates you Hmm. <laughs> Ali ended up with the book that was signed by him, though. Oh, yeah, fucker. Uh, but yeah, so I'm excited for his rendition of Revival. Mm -hmm. It didn't get the greatest reviews for King readers, but we've had some stellar King books that have gotten shit reviews. I mean, I remember a ton of people shitting all over Doctor Sleep. I was uh, nervous. Yeah, I was yeah. nervous going in to watch that because I was like, "Damn, if like the hardcore Stephen King fans didn't hated the book, and Stephen King hated Kubrick Shining." What the fuck am I walking into? And Flanagan walked that line right, son. And that's that's he what walked I'm saying. that line right. So I'm a little, little trusting with this next. We movie got is. a little, we got a little, we got a little Kubrick shot. We got a little Stephen King book. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. that's what I'm talking about. Yes, bring both of the best together, mm -hmm. which is what he did. And the other thing he's got going on that's in production right now is another series called Midnight Mass. Yes, it is a series. What is that about? I'm really excited. Uh, apparently, a priest sexy. rolls into a town and some fucked up shit starts happening, and that's. The brief synopsis that they have available right now, because they don't want to, I guess, spoiler. Yep. But I'm like, hey, more horror? Yay. <laughs> more horror on a TV realm series level? Mm -hmm. Give it to me. I was already so. a huge fan of Doctor Sleep, but watching this the series, and again, we talked about it before, when you can get me freaked out, I'm, I'm like, congratulations. And yep. look, Steven and me have both watched a fuck ton of horror movies for the years. And so when you get a reaction out of us, congratulations. Yeah, I mean there are parts that there are parts of that series where I'm literally, I, I, I am I breathing? Am I breathing right now? I don't know if I'm breathing right now. I don't, I, Jesus Christ! 
Woo! And then like I have to like take myself and get it in check. I'm, well done. So like, he he's become a trusted property yeah. now at this point. It's well done. I'm medicated for anxiety and I still push through because I want to watch that. So I'm from the other side of the spectrum where like I have always <laughs> want like I love horror. I have always loved horror, but it has always been difficult for me to handle because my dreams become so vivid. I can never sleep. Where like I'll see things in shadows. I used to have night terrors. And so I've been powering my way through this genre that I am in love with and utterly horrified by. Um, which actually I share a little bit of that with uh Flanagan, which I'm I'm a little thrilled for that camaraderie where uh he also had to start a little slow, which you know, I'm there with yeah. you, buddy. But the but he makes such strong horror that still says something other than hey look at this corpse yes you know it's just one of those things where like as much as it's going to make me want to like pull my whole jaw down under the underside of my body and wrap myself up to disappear because holy fuck my skin is crawling i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch like as much as i can when bly manor comes out i'm gonna have a hard time not sitting down and binging the whole thing because i watched hill house i watched the first episode by itself and i watched the rest of it in one sitting fair i'm going to i've was something that i've always been anticipating as far as even if the first season of I, i've been anticipating going into the second or third season of it i give myself three episode blips mm. because i have noticed with myself personally that after three episodes i might start looking at my phone I might da, 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 da. no matter how amazing the show is I give myself three episode blips. If I watch three episodes within a day, I will stop. And if I still want to watch TV, I will flip something else. But three episodes, mm -hmm. three hours dedicated to where I'm not doing anything but watching that, maybe peeing in between episodes. <laughs> That's it. So I will go into that with the same thing where I'm not going to give my, I'm not going to like just, oh, I just want to watch all of it because me, mm -hmm. I will divert eventually because I've been looking at the same thing for so long. That's fair. Um, and I and I I I I'm going into this knowing what I'm looking what I'm expecting from him. So it's like, oh no, I want a full attention to that shit. Mm -hmm. So I think that about wraps it up for Hill House. Yeah. So, you know, Haunting of Hill if you, House. If you haven't seen it, fucking see it. It's on fucking Netflix. It's been there for two year, year and a half. Yeah. Whatever. Watch the shit. Uh if you've already listened to the whole episode, you've had a lot of spoilers, but it doesn't <laughs> even come close to the experience of watching the series. Everything we've talked about and said is nowhere near experiencing yourself. There's a level of chill factor that goes through your fucking veins. There's there's a level of just hopelessness that just it shrouds your heart. It, it's so fucking dark and deep and sad and haunting. But at the same time, did y'all weep? No. On that last oh, episode? Oh, yeah. I was trying to avoid talking like, about that. I was saying like, the only hope no. came in the last episode. That's I know, what, but like yeah. through that whole episode, I think that my face just like leaked and leaked. Oh, Hugh. I just, Hugh, bro. Before oh, all of it. Hold on. Before oh. we start recording, I told Murphy I just uh, we're, start we're, recording. We're, we're recording. Oh, no, no. Before we recorded, oh, okay. I was telling Murphy I, I just finished watching the last episode and that last five minutes just punched me in the face and accidental tears kept rolling out of my eyes yeah oh, it was rough the, the last the last 15 minutes of the episode is some fucking mm. but it's it's rough on a different end the whole the whole season is rough that last 15 minutes is rough on a different end because you aren't used to experiencing that feeling throughout the rest of experiencing that show so when you get that at the end you're like oh 
oh, this is something di Oh, what is this warmth and... Oh, what is... What's going on? It's because catharsis isn't always easy. Mmm. Ding, ding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's it. We've we've delved as deep as we can into this series. It's up to you as listeners to either... If you, if you agree, if you don't, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Um, so, as always, any disagreements or any thoughts that we didn't bring up that we just ran out of time for, you know, lowdownbrown.gui at gmail.com. Hit us up. Facebook, Instagram, hit us up on there. We'd love to hear your opinions if there's something we missed that's a key and vital to this, the telling of this story. Um, and, and as always, this isn't it. We've, we've got something else. But before we get to that, we do want to bring up that tpublic.com. That's where you can get all the merch for GUI, all the shows under the network. You can get it on shirts, onesies. Awesome giant banners that you can awesome cover your, all your windows banners, with. Wall art, fucking everything you want. Masks. Mask. Oh, mask. Go. Yeah. I was leading to that. So the newest thing they brought <laughs> that T Public brought was masks. So you can get any of your favorite GUI show, GUI design on a mask for you, washable mask. And every one that is bought, they donate a real N95 mask to a medical hospital, doctor's office. Anyway, it gets it gets donated. So there is more actual protective masks for the people that are on the front lines of all this shit. So we've always promoted T Public and buying our designs and shit like that. But if you want one of our things, we all got to wear masks right now. Buy a mask, and then now one gets donated to somebody who's actually on the front lines and dealing with this shit. Also, um, from the mouths of madness is such a sweet fucking thing to put on a goddamn <laughs> mask. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen me or don't want me to approach you, but if you do want me to approach you, having From the Mouths of Madness merch on your body is a great way to get me to do that. <laughs> and <laughs> speaking of From the Mouths of Madness, that is the newest design on RT Public page is we had a local tattoo uh, artist, my actual tattoo artist, uh, mm. John Davis, the design From the Mouths of Madness uh, design, and that is a newest design on the T Public page. So go check that out. If you like it, get it on a shirt, get it on a mask, it's so get it on something, sexy. and then, you know, have have T Public throw a fucking NA5 mask towards the people that fucking need it. Yeah, mm -hmm. rock you that know, shit. Rock the fuck out of that. And um, without further ado, it is time for... Stump, the host. All right, so Stump the Host is a rapid-fire trivia segment where we ask the guests to bring questions for F.U. Hunter and I to basically fuck with each other with. Mm -hmm. And right now, Hunter's in the lead. And uh, <laughs> That's good. You're working it out. You said, I am. You said that out loud, man. That I was, did. That was quick. Oh, well, though. I know it's short-lived. It's fine. I do the way it goes again. Yeah, let's, exactly. Let's see, but exactly. I have a feeling we're going to be fucking tired yeah. at the end of this episode. Yeah, no shit. <sighs> I don't know. I think Murphy's like got some oh, diabolical man. shit planned. Why is she making fucking... that? Why is she making that face right now? What's it's the... just my face, you asshat. <laughs> You're making him nervous. <laughs> There's a devious face. It's my, my regular face. Face. You might win. I'm, I've really got to pee right now, so just forewarn. Just, just go ahead with that. Oh, the Do excuses you pause are. Pause for a second. No, no. I'll no. still have questions. The judges, last we'll, we'll judges. No, right. judges say no. fuck him. We got to go on. Do you have a coin? Because I'd like it to be totally fair. I do like not have a coin. I, I, I have a card. I don't. Right. It's 2020. Right. Yeah. Fuck. We'll go like this. Whatever. 
I won the last one, so Stephen can go first. All right. I'm willing. Oh, Gentlemen's okay. agreement. Yeah, that's that's good moving forward though. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. be like trading places. Mm, yes, gentlemen's agreement. Here's a dollar bet. Yeah, that's right. On, yeah. That's right. Good sir. Okay, so <laughs> at first I was going to do a wide variety of questions, but I've tried to keep them centralized to things involving either haunting of Hill House, Flanagan, or the actors involved. Um, so that's my plan. What was the first Stephen King book that Mike Flanagan read? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, this is completely a guess, but I'm going to go with um, Long Walk. No. Okay. Hunter. Carrie. No, it was It. Oh, there was somebody. I, I was just going to throw out a book. I had no fucking idea, but all right. We were actually in between time periods. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I know Carrie was like the that was big a good question, though. But Carrie was yeah. the first big Stephen King. We're one, gonna right? get fucked. You realize this? Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. This and we're tied zero zero. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Okay. So we talked a lot about Henry <sighs> Thomas yes. and the amazing things that he's been a part of. What Masters of Horror episode was he in? Mm, the only one I can even think of, of is he, I know he's not in, but I'm just going to say uh, Cigarette Burns. No. Yeah, that's the only one, that's the only title I can think of right now. Steven. Imprint? Is no. Only, God damn it. It was Chocolate. Wait, what? Whoa, 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 he was a, He's the one that has the orgasm. He experiences such, the orgasm. Motherfuck me. <laughs> well, is yeah, that is the point of that pleasure and watching us get these wrong. No, but see, I, Chocolate was one of the lesser favored of that, and I enjoy that. I actually enjoyed that one. God damn it! Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's sort fine. Of. It's fine. All right. Oh, let's we're see. gonna totally get around. This is to me. Yes. Let's All see what right. I do. Yes. How does Eleanor die in the book? The fuck! I haven't read the book. Uh, uh I'm going. With, I don't. I don't know. Hunter. Rat poison. No. Oh, they had to throw it out there. They tell her that she has to leave Hill House, and she gets in her car. They forcefully put her in her car, and she drives it straight into a tree. Mm. Oh, on purpose. Nope. See, never got that. No. Nope. All right. So we are. Okay. We are batting the fire. There's just one. Just one. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> You're gonna hate the next question. Oh. Why is the spot that she dies insignificant? You talking about how she dies in the book? In, in the, the book. book. Where she crashes her car, it's a significant spot. Uh, I, I don't know if I, the, the treehouse was in there. The imaginary treehouse yeah. that was the red room that was only in the fucking series. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I have what no I idea. meant to say was no. Yeah, Stephen. Is that where in the book the lady hung herself? No. God damn it! That was um, good though. That, that was a good was, guess though. It was, that was good. A good guess. So, um. Hugh Crane, um, his wife was coming to the house and her car crashed and she died against that tree without ever having set foot in Hill House, which is the house he built for her. And Nell uh, dies in the exact same spot. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Oh, we're fucking we're idiots here. What is going on? She, no, the, the, you know this is going to happen. I don't remember. <laughs> you remember what happened? Murphy You remember what happened to Galaxy Con, right? You remember what happened to Galaxy Con? Remember the look I said that they were making? I believe now I, I'm acknowledging that. Yes. Okay. All right. So, so this is, yes, this is me. Okay. Yes, here um, we go. <laughs> who directed the 1963 haunting? Oh, fuck me. I can tell you who starred in it. I don't know who direct. I honestly don't know who directed it. Okay. I don't. Howard Hughes? Robert Wise. Oh. Okay. All right, so this is you. Okay. This is it. I think this is. The, <laughs> we can do the tiebreaker after this if we have zero zero. Fuck. All right. Um. 
Christ. This is terrible. No, this is this is fire. No, oh she came God. fucking locked and loaded. Jesus Christ. He thinks we should have read the book. <laughs> okay, so this is about Mike Flanagan and him talking about the things that um, scare him. When asked what scares him the most, what was his answer? Oh, you're, this is, and I listened to the goddamn interview, so I know you're taking pleasure in this. Um, hmm, being alone. No. I can't remember. Steven. Um. Wait. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Said it, so. I don't know. Is, is it getting old? Stillness. Stillness and how it relates to a moment and how it relates to a career and how it relates to pausing with family and how See, it relates I do to with something with like yeah. God right. stillness. So how do we do this tiebreaker? I don't this know. This first answer? I don't know. All right. Jesus Christ. You gotta uh, so if it's first answer, you gotta pay attention to who's raising and stuff like Y'all that. Y'all can just shout it out. Okay. That's how it went last time. Ass. I know. It's uh, listen to the question carefully. Mm. What is Henry Thomas's First film. E.T. Incorrect. Steven? I know, well, clearly I know it's not E.T., but I don't <laughs> know his first film. I don't. The first film he was in was called Raggedy Man. They oh. were editing it across the hallway from when Steven Spielberg was editing Poltergeist, and they began to show him clips of him, and that caused him to get hired for E.T. Nice. Oh, so what, what do we do? We're, we're, still, we're tied. It's tied. still you're in the lead. Yeah. All right. So. We completely got... Fucking wow. wrecked. Murphy I, brought I, the fucking fire. I yelled out ET so confident. I excited. had one. I had another bonus question too. Might as well throw it. Yeah, you might throw right. it out. Throw it out. We have okay. We, we haven't. So, won. um, episode six is talked a lot about a lot in terms of camera work because, um, it's a really incredible feat that they pulled off, and they said that there was an incredible number of shots that they used for this film, for this for this episode for episode six. What was the number of shots? Mm. Um, so are we doing closest wins? Yes. Okay. Yes, we'll do closest wins. Um, did you? I might. This. How many number of shots? Number of shots used for the entire episode? For episode six, think really hard about episode six. Mm -hmm. So I'll, let me let me pull up the grab the name of. Episode What's the name six. of episode six? Episode six is two storms. It's where they're in the funeral home. Oh, how also, many shots? Also, the storm happens in the mm -hmm. and, past. Yep. Um, I'm gonna go with. Oh, uh, all right. I'm gonna throw a number. Three hundred. Mm -mm. It's much lower than you think. You yep. can guess again if you want. Sure. It it's much lower than you think. Um, can you give us a mm, much lower really? than? Mm -mm. No. All right. <laughs> so I will go with seventy-five. Okay. I will go with. 30. They said it was four shots. I was thinking because, four! Because there were such long... It was, yeah, it was closer. So, like, he held his breath because it was such long takes. Where, like, they asked the dolly grip, like, the dolly grip apparently counted, and it was something like like a 175-point turn or something that he had to pull off through that, like, a spinning See, shot, because that's that all... One, and one I was camera, thinking about, yeah, yeah yep. where he's walking through and then it turns into the house. Yep. But for, I was... Trying to count like when that's, they do flashbacks. Well, because that's the information that I chasing, gleaned from the episode. When he's chasing uh, Olivia, mm -hmm. it's all one. It's all one camera okay. shot. Yep. Like he's following her, 
and then it turns around and he sees her here and then turns around that and is sees true. her here. There he's following actual, her the entire time. Actually, mm-hmm. I guess that's Until true. the explosion. And then it switches. I was trying to add right. extra flashbacks, but I guess no, the only flashback is, is the it's storm. It's that big confrontation. That's and right. Then, and then, even though it switches cameras when it explodes, on the way back, he finds her in the place that God he damn, left her at. I was thinking four, too, but I was like, no, that seems too simple. So you, all right. So, I mean, I'm going to give it. That's you. All right. There you go. So you're two ahead. Oh no, man. No, I mean that's that's fair. That's awesome. All right. You got it. <laughs> so, All right. So I, try, I tried to bring you guys some good challenging questions you on brought the subject. Fucking challenging <laughs> questions. I fuck with Jesus us. Jesus Christ. All right. So that's our episode. Hunter is now two in the lead. <laughs> Fucker. And uh, Murph, thank you for bringing some fire. I mean, like legit. That's yeah. the most fire we've had on Stomp the Host. <laughs> Honestly, I got thank really you. excited. No, thank you. I was scared. I was no, scared. Seriously, yeah. that was awesome. And uh, listeners, again, anything you else you want to add to Haunting of Hill House, please do. Lowdownbrown.gui at gmail.com. Please, we want the feedback. Input. If there's more ghosts than, like, the, I think they cited there were 30 hidden ghosts. If there's more that you can think of, there will be links posted to all the ones that were spotted. Uh, if there's any missed, let us know. I will, I am more than happy to rewatch this and 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 see those ghosts. As I'll well. plan on it. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. So, Murph, thank you for being on. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. Um, uh, you know, I, I cherish any time I get to spend with you guys. But uh, this has been this has been awesome and is definitely going to be the highlight of my week. Awesome. That's always good news. Yeah. Our see people, horror community. You know what we're talking you about. You heard about that. You understand what they just said. Fucking horror is community. Mm-hmm. Horror is a relief. It's an outlet, and it's also a, yep. uh, a, 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 a a satire interpretation of the reality we live in. And you Horror's can't beat for that. for everyone. Exactly. Horror is for the outcast and the other and everyone and should encompass everything that it we does. can. And... People just don't want to accept that it encompasses everything. Oh, People yeah. don't want to accept that. We're so, coming for them, whether they fucking like it or not, because exactly. that's how motherfucking killers work. Exactly. You don't got a choice. We're Michael Myers, this bitch. Mm-hmm. We're coming for you. <laughs> it's going to fucking happen. And until we talk to you again, stay safe.